When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right here, 104.9 The Horn. It is a uh, top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. My man Patrick doing a great job of DJing top of the charts Tuesday. Rod's round the day. You know, the rest of the week, I'm just previewing Texas versus Washington in the Alamo Bowl. We'll get back to that preview, it, breaking it, it down, it. man. And also, we'll do that again at 6.30. We'll try to give you as much Texas, Washington, Alamo Bowl preview as we can for this short week. But then Harge and I actually will be a big part of the pregame um, which will be coming up uh, next Thursday. Next Thursday, yeah, yeah game, day. Yeah. game day. Game day. Game yep. uh, day. So we'll have that. Actually, I think we have a show then yep. broadcast. Show then broadcast. We have like an hour. It was like a brief show and then straight and into then the we'll broadcast. And then we'll get into the actual yep. pregame. So we'll give some more yep. details about that. Uh, but before that, we'll start previewing little by little Texas, Washington, so you can get to know the Washington Huskies. And I think it's a pretty formidable opponent for Texas as well. So we'll get into that coming up in Rod's Round the Day. Also, we'll do it again at 6.30. So 5.30, 6.30. we got your Texas versus Washington Alamo Bowl previews. But let's talk about the uh, Dallas Cowboys right now um, because they are, you've been keeping up with the line hard, uh, Last time I looked at it, they were five and a half. It was five. It is five. It's five right now. We're still five right now. So we're five. Mm -hmm. Uh, That line shifted dramatically yesterday when the news dropped about Jalen Hurts dealing with a sprain throwing shoulder. Uh, He's got a sprain throwing shoulder. It's going to have him out for one game, maybe even two games potentially. Eagles, remember, they need only one win, one more win to clinch the number one seed in the NFC or a loss by either Minnesota, San Fran, or Dallas. Uh, that would also give them the number one seed in the NFC. Um, this game coming up versus the Cowboys, it is believed that Jalen Hurts is going to miss the game. That has not been revealed and announced by the Eagles. That is just based on the Vegas line. Vegas lines usually mm-hmm. don't shift that dramatically. Uh, and you look at that, uh, at least the timing of it uh, happened right along the line, right along the time that Jalen Hurts' news was announced. So I'm assuming that at least the Vegas wise guys don't think that Jalen Hurts is going to play. That's why the Cowboys are a five-point favorite. But Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size, Beyonce size, but is is that I still think Gardner Minshew can beat the Cowboys potentially if he has a great game. Cowboys have a bit of an off game because Philadelphia is just a well-built roster. They yeah. don't have a lot of holes and weaknesses. Yeah, I, and I, I don't understand why people are looking at it or Vegas. I mean, they build those buildings for a reason, so they obviously understand it. And what they truly understand is that if a Dallas Cowboy fan and as loyal as the Cowboy fans are, even they even though they want to be critical of Dak Prescott, they always look at their team as if, 
wait a minute. They're going to give us that many points at home on Christmas Eve? Oh, yeah, I'm jumping all over that. But let's That's not fair. forget, to your point, the depth that the Eagles have, have grown uh, from the defensive line to the linebacker position and then all the way into the secondary. They have proven to be one of the most – uh, formidable teams in the NFL. They they got the best record. They're already they only lost one game this year, and you look at what Jalen Hurts MVP. Which by the way, I wanted to ask you your opinion on this too. Uh, here in just a little bit after we continue to talk about this, but I look at what the the Eagles have done on the offensive side of the ball with the wide receiver position. Miles Sanders doing what he's been able to do, and the offensive line being one of the best if not the best offensive lines in the NFL, I still don't see how the Cowboys should be up uh, at a minus five right now or, yeah, being favored Mm -hmm. by five points right now, even with Gardner Minshew as the starting quarterback because everybody keeps saying, why would the Cowboys, what do they have to play for? They've already got their position. But Gardner Minshew is playing for a contract. And for the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys are playing to get themselves turned around because the last two weeks, even though they won against your Houston Texans, your former Houston Texans, (laughs) they did not look well against them. And then, obviously, the way that the defense ended up playing in the second half against uh, Jacksonville is cause for concern. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, if you're gonna look at, let's just separate, you know, the conversation or at least try to specify the Eagles and their advantages potentially in this game, even without uh, Jalen Hurts, who's MVP candidate. We'll yes. get into that too. I think it's yep. MVP candidate. That's what I'm talking about. Also, is gonna yeah. be negatively affected by this. But the Eagles, just their defense, defensive line. I went and looked up a couple of stats about their defensive front because they're so deep there. Remember they acquired Nadama Kungsu, uh, Linville Joseph, and that was in the, in, in the middle of the season. They acquired those guys because they needed some, some rush, uh, rush uh, defense support. Uh, they need some help with their rush defense, which, by the way, has actually been much improved in the last two or three weeks. They have four different players who have at least eight and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a son Reddick with 12, uh, uh, Javon Hargrove with Javon Hargrove with 10, Brandon Graham is uh, eight and a half, uh, and Josh Sweat has nine sacks. Just to get, put that in perspective for you, how rare that is, they're the fifth team in NFL history with at least four players with eight and a half sacks in a season. You just don't. It doesn't. It doesn't happen are, like that. Teams are not that deep when it comes to pass rushes. They're rare. They've stockpiled a ton of them. And by the way, that doesn't, that doesn't include Fletcher Cox. Right. Doesn't include Nadam Kingsu. Correct. It doesn't include Jordan Davis. Come those on. Just, <laughs> those are guys who have another purpose on the line. These are just the pass rushes I'm right. talking about. Right. They're deep, man. They're deep. and the Cowboys are deep too. Man, the Cowboys are one of the best pass rushing uh, teams in the NFL. But so are the Eagles. The Eagles are in that conversation, and you could argue they are better than the Cowboys in terms of their overall pass rush. They have. Another sack, another uh, sack number for you. That's unique to the Eagles. They have thirty sacks on third down alone. That is the most in the NFL. The team with the second most sacks on third down has twenty-one. Right. That's the Minnesota Vikings. They have thirty third down sacks. That's that's they do a really so good ridiculous. Job of scheming to me. up specifically situational football with that defense. They do. They are probably one of the best at emphasizing deception with their pre-snap shell disguise, you're going to see something totally different pre-snap than you're going to see post-snap with the Eagles probably 60-70% of the time. Yeah, they got 15 interceptions as a team, the Eagles do. 
They've got one interception return for a touchdown. They are a team that you continue to look at and you say, who, who is this team? Nick Sirianni going out there, mm-hmm. going and developing this team, the energy that they've had. We talked about A.J. Brown being an integral part of the success from the trade. Matter of fact, got the uh, Tennessee Titans general manager fired because of that because A.J. Brown in the way that he performed against them. And then you looked at the rush defense and the way that they've gotten better and the people that they've brought in. This is a huge challenge for the Dallas Cowboys and for those that are looking at Philly and continue to say, Philly this, they're not that good. Philly that, they'll probably lose in the first round. Philly, man, what are y'all looking at? Like, how how much more do you need to see for a team who, by the way, is playing in the same NFL that your team, your favorite team is playing in, and they are performing better than most? I just don't understand that, what your eyes have told you. Remember, for a long time, we were sitting there saying, who is going to be the best team in the NFC? And we said, who is better than the Dallas Cowboys? And we had two teams. San Francisco and Philly. Philly by the, by their 13-1 and record. And the way that the 49ers are playing uh, defensively mm-hmm. put them in that category. So when you're looking at the game, don't look at it as an angry fan uh, or someone who, who likes a certain team. They are beating who is in front of them. And not only are they beating them, they're beating them convincingly. Yeah. That's the other part of it. No, that's what I liked. I brought this up about San Fran. You look the last seven weeks, San Fran's margin of victory is like 16 points. Yeah. Uh, and that's with different quarterbacks. Now they're third string quarterback in Brock Purdy. And right now, the, the average margin of victory in the NFL is the lowest that it's, in, it's been in NFL history. I think it's around nine points per game, average margin of victory. And I see the texture is saying, uh, you know, uh, Philly can still lose their first playoff game, don't get fooled. Yeah, they could. By the way, everybody, everybody can. can. That's what I'm telling you. You've been listening to me the whole season. It's the most competitive <laughs> NFL in the history of the league. Every, if you watch the Minnesota Vikings, did you watch last week? You watch how drunk the NFL was? The NFL's high. You know, anybody can lose on any. The Texans, the Texans played damn near wire to wire with the Eagles. They the played wire to wire with the Kansas City Chiefs last week. And the Cowboys. Yes. They're the worst team in the league. <laughs> it's the most competitive NFL we've ever seen. So, yes, Tetsu, you are right. Eagles could lose the first playoff game. Soaking the Cowboys. Exactly. Soaking the 49ers. That's what we're saying about the NFL. It is crazy. And that's why the Cowboys need to take advantage. Yep. This is one of those seasons. Yep. This, this is, is one of those the seasons. We're the best team in the league. This is the time. Looks vulnerable. Yep. They look beatable. If, 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 if Philly's the best team in the league and they deserve all of that recognition, right. haven't you seen them look beatable? Absolutely. T- hell, Cowboys. You got a shot with Cooper Rush against the Eagles. So I, I get your point, but my what I'm saying is is that it is a really competitive league, and you can't deny. People say, "Oh man, well, you guys are you know sucking up to the Eagles and bragging about the Eagles." No, no, Eagles are the best team in the league. <laughs> you 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 know your homerism is showing when you're mad at us for <laughs> giving props to the best team in the league. Yep. 
That, that, that's all we're doing. So yep. I agree with you. Yes, the Eagles could lose. They could lose on any given Sunday. Uh, every team could lose on any given Sunday. The four, the, and then people are just yeah. sitting there saying, put them in the AFC. They're not in the AFC. The, we're not yeah. putting them in an AFC. The four, They're in the yeah. AFC. And the 49ers have a third-string quarterback. So <laughs> exactly. Brock Purdy could always have a bad day for Brock you did Purdy. say that. And then they could come yep. back, yep. you know, regress to the mean. Yep. All those things are true. Um, but still, hey, going and Tom the, Brady's in the playoffs, if he wins <clears> the division, Tom Brady could do Tom Brady stuff and, and go on a run in the playoffs. Exactly. So, Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the, the whole point is, is that you know the reason that we have been really critical on the Cowboys, and we ask the question every week, you know, how many teams in the NFC are better than the Cowboys? I think we've been consistent that it's only two: yeah. Eagles, 49ers. and I don't know if we've shifted very much. And I think we're waiting for the the Cowboys to ascend and make that move to become a team that is considered one of the top two best teams in the NFC. I don't know if they've done that just yet. Yeah. And some people would say Minnesota's better than the Cowboys. I wouldn't because the Cowboys whipped up on Minnesota and made them look bad. So the Cowboys, I think, are the third best team in the NFC, but can't deny what Philly's done. You, I, I mean, mean, that would just be blatant homerism. We don't do that. No, no that's not what no, we are. We, no we, we're real, we're realists. Yeah. And I'm I mean, very critical balling, of the Cowboys. I'm are. the most Hell, critical. I, I compliment the Cowboys more than Harsh does. Harsh is a Cowboys fan. You're telling him to give Kelly Moore some props. He won't do it. Never. Uh, he's very critical <laughs> Very critical of Dak. Wants Dak yep. to make some yep. more plays, too. But listen, I, I think the Cowboys got a shot this year. I think that's why. Um, you know, Cowboys fans are a little anxious because they do think, you know, that they could make a run. Anybody could. Yeah. It's all about, you know, you getting hot at the right time, and that's what's wrong with the Cowboys right now. They're not trending toward getting hot. That's That's been They're my trending biggest away fight. from that. Boy, yes. are, boy, are heating up. Third-string quarterback, heating up. All right? That's the difference there. And Philly, you know, Philly just keeps winning. Yep. I'm not saying Philly's hot right now. They're just the best team in the NFC. They got the best record in the NFL. You only have to beat your opponent that yeah. you're playing against. It doesn't matter what everybody <laughs> thinks. It's yeah. about right now who's winning. And and you know, right here is a perfect example. Cincinnati is a team that we can, we all have sat here and said, "Ooh, that is not a team that you want to play." You know another team that you don't want to play? You don't want to play the Detroit Lions right now. Detroit feels that feels themselves. They want six or right place at the right time and they're doing everything that they need to do. So yes, we understand that they're... No, we, got, we got the same text last week when we were talking about the 49ers. Listen, when we're talking about a team, we're just talking about that team and their strengths and their upside. Yes. Don't get jealous. <laughs> Don't get jealous. I'm like, jealousy I'm like, like, like my wife when I'm talking about another woman. I'm like, hey, I'm still married to you. I'm going with said, you, she, I just said she's a good-looking woman. I yeah. ain't talk, I'm still married to you. It's okay. Yeah. All right? Don't get so sad. And don't forget the 40. <laughs> don't be not, so insecure. Not the, 40, not the 49ers. Uh, what's the other team? Um, <laughs> that got hot. Oh, the Giants. Weren't they 8-8? Eight and eight? They plateaued a little bit. But they went, no, might. I'm talking about when they won the Super Bowl. They got uh, hot at the right time. They did. They yes. went into the playoffs at 8-8. Eight yeah. eight. Just like every year there was a bunch of times that it was 8-8 eight eight in the NFC East, and those guys pushed to the playoffs and got to the point because they got hot at the right time. We totally understand <laughs> what the hotness is. But when you're watching week to week, and that's what the league is, Rod, you played in it. You understood it better than anybody. The games are week to week, and you look at who's hot. That's why the rankings happen, the power rankings, which doesn't mean anything, but they all happen. 
and then the game changes. So when we're watching these games, and what we see is the Philadelphia Eagles have sustained the entire year, which makes them the best team in the league. I, I, I Thirteen be, and one. It'll be really fun to watch them with Gardner Minshew, a backup quarterback, and see how the the system is affected. Which, by the way, Gardner right. Minshew was a former starting quarterback in the NFL and led his team to the playoffs. Yeah, and backups, by the way, yeah. Brock Purdy, Cooper Rush, they can win games. <laughs> right. And that's, I think that'll be an interesting test. And if Nick Seriani ends up still just winning out with Gardner Minshew, he's definitely going to be coach of the year. He's pretty, yep. He might be coach of the year right now. Uh, that will definitely solidify it for him. Uh, one thing that Dan Quinn brought up, which has been an issue for the Cowboys, of course, has been the corner opposite of Trevon Diggs. And a lot of talk about what they're going to do with that corner opposite Trevon Diggs. Uh, well, Dan Quinn is basically saying it is now going to be up for competition. Uh, yep. Going back to training camp mode there. John Machota says, Cowboys DC Dan Quinn said there will be a competition during practice this week for the other starting outside corner spot opposite Trevon Diggs. Kelvin Joseph and Nation Wright are the most likely, but they have added Mackenzie Alexander, Kendall Sheffield, and Trayvon Mullen. So they got five options. Um, the most likely options are Kelvin Joseph and Nation Wright. Yep. So, and that's still driving me nuts. Uh, well, you, you know, we got to figure that out, too. You're the Argo principal now. There is no good option at that corner spot opposite Trevon Diggs. It's going to be all bad options. So what's the best bad idea? Is it just letting Kelvin Joseph grow on the job, letting Nation Wright have it, or, you know, trying one of the other guys, McKenzie Alexander, Kendall Sheffield, Trayvon Mullen? I'm not sure which one it is, but none of those are a good idea anymore. Like, yeah, and you're no. out of good ideas. You, you run out of those. Yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's a little too late for that. So Cowboys just got to figure out a way to survive, um, and we'll see. Like, I, I think people are really appreciative now of Anthony Brown and his level of performance. It wasn't elite. He wasn't, you know, Trayvon Diggs, uh, all pro status, but, man, he was – consistent and, and more than serviceable, uh, above average corner for a guy who was attacked consistently because you're not going to throw at Trevon Diggs. That's just stupid game planning. Yeah. You throw at the other corner. It's a bad luck. Yeah, I know that because yeah. I was that other corner. Yeah. Our opposite Nathan Vasher, opposite Quinn Jammer. You're not throwing at that guy. You're throwing at that other bum over there. Uh, <laughs> and figure out, we'll throw it at 2-1. And I was, a, you know, I was a pretty good corner, but I got a lot of volume because game plans were built around throwing at that other guy. Why would you throw at the guy that's leading you know, the all-time I'm tied for the all-time leader in interceptions at Texas or the guy who's a top 10 draft pick in Quentin Jammer. No, you're going with the other guy. Back to yep. Anthony Brown, and now that's whoever they decide. And that's going to be a big you know, uh, weakness, uh, a point of uh, vulnerability for the Cowboys they got to figure out. And yeah. that along with the rush defense, too. But I think the rush defense will be okay. The rush defense, LVE going down, and, yeah, Leighton Vander S going down shouldn't debilitate your rush defense the way it did, but he's been one of your best tacklers all year long. He went down. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong also went down. I just think it was tough for that group to recover from that. And then you had no Jonathan Hankins going into that game. When you got your full complement of the front there, I think you will continue to get better, progressively better in your rush defense. Now the big concern is with two starters out in your secondary. Yes, the run has played great, but he got a season-high 12 targets versus Jacksonville. That's going to continue to be the case because they're going to put Deron Bland on as many, especially if they go 40 personnel, but when they go nickel, they're going to try to put him on marquee personnel as much as they can because he's just a really good cover guy so far. Got four interceptions, fifth-round pick. You're getting a lot of bang for your buck from Deron Bland, um, but whoever that other corner is going to see a lot of volume. Man, You just got to hope they get better, can hold their own, and win their fair share. If not, it's going to be a long rest of the season. 
Period. Yeah. yeah. Just too easy to attack the Cowboys that it, way. It, and, and if you're not game planning that way, then you need to be fired as a game planner. What you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, if you were an offensive coordinator for the other team and you're mm-hmm. not looking at that, that's on you. Yep. And if you get exposed that way, then that's bad game planning, bro. Yep, you're right. Three and that's talk. why Doug Peterson did what he did last week. Went right after him. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't did. even look at the other side of the field. It was no, just he. like, I'm coming at you, man. I'm making it happen. Come on, Zay. We're about to make you an, a first-round pick. We're doing half-field reads. Exactly. In that corner. That's yep. your first that's read. That's your first read. <laughs> that's right. No, I mean, I, I think it's just it's something that the Cowboys got to figure out. Um, you've been talking about it for months now. Even yep. when Anthony Brown was in there, um, you talked about it being a lot. And I think when Anthony Brown was here, it still would have been they still would have been attacking him. But the Cowboys would have been winning more than their fair share. Um, and I think they, they're not winning. And much, I still feel you know. bad for the fact that Jordan Lewis is missing mm-hmm. as well, and that's another big part. Even though Deron Bland has been making plays, still not the same without Jordan Lewis. Oh, yeah, because if you team. have Jordan Lewis, you put Deron Bland in the corner. Exactly. You can move him out you, there. You're good, right? Exactly. You, you, got, you can put Deron Bland and Nick can move Jordan Lewis out of the corner. Exactly, because like you've done it before. We lost two, you lost two of your three best cover guys. For sure. And now you're SOL. For sure. Yeah, so that's not kind of the fits in the shan there yep. for the Cowboys. All right, we got Texas, Washington, Alamo Bowl preview discussion. When we come back, we'll dive into that in Rod's round today, right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butt. All right, welcome back uh, to Rod's Round the Day right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to start getting into this Texas-Washington matchup a little bit because uh, slowly but surely, um, I think we should start previewing it. So we got into it yesterday, getting into it a little bit today. And I want to talk about the Washington defense going up against the Texas offense. The biggest concern here is actually not the Washington Huskies and their defensive personnel or the defensive system. The biggest concern would be the loss of your offensive identity. Uh, for Texas. You lost B. John Robinson. You lost one of the greatest running backs in the history of the university. One of the greatest football players in the history of the university. It's just hard to bounce back from that. Right. It is. It's just it's tough to bounce back from it offensively. And remember, the offensive, the, the passing game had its struggles during the season. The passing game actually did regress from last year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Show did. Yeah, your, your Casey Thompson, you know, Hudson mm-hmm. Card passing game was actually a little bit better than the passing game this year with Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. And I think a lot of this is inexperienced by uh, Quinn Ewers, and I think Sark uh, at times uh, kind of miscalculated the, the rate of development of Quinn Ewers as well. But um, that, obviously, we've already been on the record for that and talked about it. But I digress. Getting back to Texas Washington, the biggest issue for me, at least concern for me, is what's the Texas identity going forward in this matchup? Um, and identity, I mean, what do you hang your hat on? It was easy to talk about what they hang, hung their hat on when they had Bijan and Rojo in the backfield. Bijan, one of the best players in the country, uh, the best running back in the country, and Rojo, your best leader, they're in the backfield a lot of the time. And <laughs> that uh, was huge for them. As a matter of fact, literally, having two of your best players in the backfield. And at times they would use Keelan Robinson here too. So I don't want to uh, you know, disrespect my man Keelan Robinson because he was also a part of that trio. They would rotate at times. But when I went and looked at your most explosive, most efficient, most effective personnel groupings, it was 21 personnel. Yep. 
two two running backs, one tight end. You're all conference tight end. Um, and Jatavion Sanders, uh, but two of your best uh, running backs from your deepest and most talented position group, and whether that be Rojo and Bijan or Rojo and Keelan or Bijan and Keelan, whatever, some combination of that group, uh, and Jay Witt and X-Men on the outside, that was your best offensive personnel grouping. You led uh, all of your personnel groupings from 21 personnel in yards per play. Um, you led an explosive play rate out of 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. Um, you had your highest yards per attempt throwing the football out of two backs, one tight end. Um, yards per rush was, mm, it was probably your third most effective personnel package looking at yards per rush. Um, still at 5.7 yards per rush, so nothing to sneeze at. But you're still productive there. But that, I think you're going to be missing that element or at least missing the elite um, lethal part of that element because you're just losing B. John Robinson end up being a top 10 pick potentially. And Rojo, by the way, who will be drafted? I'm hearing Rojo's going to be drafted. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I saw that he was in the, he was in the yeah. top 10 of running backs Period. at his position. Yeah, and I yeah. think I on mean, average of like 20-something running back drafted a year. Yeah. I saw an article saying a lot of executives are talking extremely highly of him and that he may slip into day two. Wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah so if you're saying he's round two or three. how he tests two if he tests really well. well and, and I, I think that what they're saying is they didn't draft Priest Holmes and and that was a dumb decision, so they don't <laughs> want to miss out well, on that. That's Ro- fair. Some teams prefer, I know it sounds crazy, a Rojo to a Bijan because Bijan costs you draft capital, and then you're in a situation where now you got to re-sign yeah. a top draft pick, then you're linking handcuffing yourself to a running back for a lot of years, which is considered bad football logic in the modern era when we look at the value of the running back position. You get a guy like Rojo drafted later on, yeah. and then you can sign him to a second deal that's not going to yeah. break your team, and he can still end up being a guy that gives you starting caliber reps at one point, mm-hmm. and will play special teams right. for you. I, I love Bijan. Bijan's probably like, special team? He ain't playing. Yeah, he can that for you. <laughs> Yeah, Bijan's yeah. like, nah, I make too much money. No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm too valuable for that, man. And I agree, Bijan, I agree. Uh, but anyway, getting back to it, um, this matchup, one thing Washington does really well, actually, they stop the run. Yep. They, they, that's, this is one of the only things their defense actually does well. They're uh, 33rd in rush defense. They're twenty in 127 yards per game, 27th in yards per carry allowed. Um, they're 32nd overall in rushing yards allowed. They're actually one of the better rush defenses in college football, and they actually force a lot of negative plays in the passing game. They have 35 sacks, which will put them close to top top 20 around there. Texas has 27 sacks. They also have 67 tackles for loss, which is not great. That's pretty much an average number. Texas, I think, is around 87. So um, when when they're going up against teams that throw the football, they actually can get to the quarterback. Like I said, their 35 sacks on the season shows you that. But they stop the run consistently. So for Texas, you know, you may go up against, you know, a, a pretty stout rush defense that may be able to neutralize your running attack, especially without Bijan and Rojo. Right. Think about how many we talk about a guy that led college football in yards after contact and in and forced missed tackles and broken tackles. So losing that guy, hey, you know what? You know, I'm sure that Jonathan Brooks is gonna make his share of plays, but he's not gonna make as many as a Bijan. We know that. He's right. gonna make some. He's gonna make a he make a, he's gonna make a lot of them. But he's not going to make as many as a Bijan Robinson. Not as a freshman. Not as a freshman. Sorry, as a sophomore. sophomore. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't go into the game thinking you're going to see a Bijan starter kit. You can't go into the mid-tower or even a Rojo. (laughs) We saw what he's capable of doing, but we haven't seen him as that lead dog in this situation. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. Let him do his thing. He's going to be good. Bijan 
was extraordinary. Exactly. So he's going to be good, but think about it. You've got a good running game, potentially now, not an elite back rushing the football. And I'm sure one day J.J. Brooks will be there. And he's probably yeah. in that Bichon was one of the top recruits in the nation. He was special. Yeah, yeah. he was special. I'm saying he's losing yeah. a special guy and yeah. you're going up against a good rush defense. Yeah. So it's it's there's a chance that Texas could struggle running the football. They're, they basically won't have a lot of rhythm to their running game. Now, if the Texas offensive line dominates the defensive line of Washington, you're talking about something different there. I don't know if you're going to be dominating the Washington front. I think, I think you can hold your own and I think Texas can um, run the ball, but my, my concern would be that's a strength of theirs. You want to go up against the weakness. You want to try to exploit the weakness of Washington. Their weakness is their pass defense. Yeah. The pass defense is bad. And, I, and honestly, I shouldn't judge. People in, people say people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. I'm a Longhorn fan. I probably shouldn't call their pass defense bad because if I do, i got to call Texas pass defense bad because right. it's basically ranked right there with Texas. Wherever you look, they're right there. I, look, I went and looked up explosive plays allowed. Washington's, uh, they're 86th in 10-plus uh, yard passes allowed with 115. Uh, Texas has allowed 116. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying like, they yeah. allowed 115 10-plus yard plays uh, yeah. via the passing game. Texas allowed 116. Look at 20-plus yard uh, pass plays. Uh, Texas has allowed 39. They allowed 40. Take the uh, over. <laughs> you look at pass defense. They are, I think, they're ninety first in pass defense. Um, you look at passing yards per game allowed. They're seventy ninth. They're one hundred first in yards per attempt. But I mean, like I said, if you look at pass efficiency defense, this is where you have to look at because Texas also, like I said, they are really close to them in passing. Texas eighty ninth or eighty eighth in pass defense, and they're ninety first. If I call them bad, i got to call Texas bad. Here's the only reason I would differentiate the two. Pass efficiency defense, which is more of a cumulative stat, more so than just a raw stat of yards allowed or you know, touch, uh, passing touchdowns allowed or yards per attempt. So it's more of a cumulative stat, an amalgamation. They are, Texas is 43rd in the country in pass efficiency defense. Washington is 112th. So even Texas shows you at least some flashes of playmaking ability in the secondary. I think Ryan Watts being consistent yep. with his bump and run coverage Correct. with the boundary corner is a part of that. Uh, just the overall improvement of Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook overall. Loved it. Hell, Jade Barron. He was a good player. Very a, impactful player. Impactful. So I think, honestly, yep. it's Ryan Watts and Jade Barron probably the biggest part of why pass efficiency defense, because they make a lot of plays, and pass efficiency defense is much better than just their regular pass defense. But don't mistake it. As bad as Texas has been in giving up big plays via the passing game, they have been just as bad. So if you're Texas, I wonder if a lot of the, you know, the pat, at least a lot of the game plan early on will be built around throwing to open up the run. I wonder if both teams will be throwing open up the run. Texas has one of the best rush defenses in the country, too. It's a better rush defense uh, statistically than uh, Washington. And Washington likes to abandon the run. Texas 28th in rush defense, 16th in yards per rush allowed, 27th in rushing yards overall allowed, 7th in 20-plus yards, 27th in 20-plus yard runs allowed, which is only 7, by the way. Um, and, and by the way, Washington's only allowed 8 20-plus yard runs. Yep. <laughs> so it, it, they are, like I said, their rush defense is their strength. Texas' rush defense is also its strength. And I wonder if Texas and Washington both will come out throwing the football to open up the running game a little bit. Yeah. Because both of, both of the team's defensive weaknesses is their pass defense. For sure. And like I said, they're both pretty much close to being a similar pass defense. And the strength, now here's the only difference. Washington's strength is their pass offense. 
Number one passing offense in the country. Uh, Michael Penix Jr.'s first in passing yards per game. Top 15 in passing touchdowns. Top 10 in yards per attempt. Um, completion percentage. Also, they're one of the top teams in the country. Also, they're really good third down offense. Best in the country, as a matter of fact, in third down offense. And that's because they, they trust Michael Penix Jr. and those 2,000-yard receivers they have to be able to make clutch plays in clutch moments. So that their strength is going up against Texas' weakness. Texas' pass defense is uh, below average. A little suspect at times. So they're fine with that matchup. If you're Texas, are you fine with the matchup of their weakness, their pass defense, going up against Quinn Ewers Ugh. in your passing game? Yeah. Because that, that's not a strength of yours, but Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, you know, Megan the Stallion size, Beyonce size, but is you got a ton of explosivity in your passing game. You got JT Sanders, all-conference tight end. Mm-hmm. You got Jay Witt coming back. You got Xavier Worthy on the outside. In your passing game, you're, you do have, and Keelan Robinson in the passing game actually has been really explosive. Yeah, and, and he's going to get an opportunity to do more to exactly. this, this week. Yeah. Um, so my point is, you got a lot of explosive potential in that passing game going up against a really suspect pass defense, and maybe we should just throw it out there and be this blunt with it. If Quinn Ewers can't exploit and manipulate this pass defense of Washington, then you know it may be a quarterback, true quarterback competition in the offseason. Maybe yeah. it's a real one. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's a real one then. Maybe it's real. Yeah, because it's, it's trust me, this pass defense is not imp- they're not good. They're not yeah. a good pass defense at all. They're not. And Texas weapons should be able to be able to win consistently versus their DBs. They don't have a lot of high-level talent. I would give Texas the advantage across the board there, and I would say there will be matchup advantages when you're talking about X-Man or Jay Witt or JT Sanders all across the board in the passing game. you got to pick your you – know, you, you basically pick your matchup advantage wherever it may be, but if your quarterback is off and not having a great game, or if your coordinator slash play caller – Play designer is having an off game, which means Sark is constantly hunting for the deep ball yep. instead of making the offense a user-friendly offense for a young quarterback. And we saw that early on in the season, but late in the season, we saw a much more compatible game plan in terms of the passing game with a inexperienced skill set like Quinn Ewers. But if Sark goes back to trying to chunk that deep ball and forcing that deep ball, that'll get his young quarterback out of rhythm, off schedule, and that'll be a problem. Right. That's really the only thing I can see deterring Texas from being able to put up a lot of points. So my advice would be, because I know Sark loves the deep ball, give me that deep ball, baby. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you got it. You I got any more of them deep balls? Got them deep balls. They're going to try one more. <laughs> it's fourth and one, but I want that deep ball. Right. All right. He loves the deep balls. Don't force it. You know, I always say, to, um, you know, Sark, he wants to go for the deep ball right at the back. A little foreplay first. You know what I mean? Work the quick game. Quick game, quick game. Run the ball, intermediate routes, crossing routes, and then let the deep ball come to you. Let it come you know, a little bit more organically. Doesn't yep. it seem like he's always forcing the deep ball early he on? Yes. Man, give me some foreplay. All right, buy me dinner first. Bring you force it deep like that. No, no, no. Let's just take our time with it. I think you've got a lot of other options than just going deep every damn time and trying to force the X-Men. By the way, use X-Men as a decoy a lot of the time, too. Um, that would help instead of forcing it to him. Um, and the footwork of your quarterback, I assume, is going to help you on some of those deep balls as well. Because uh, even Quinn Ewers said he has improved with his footwork in just a short time in the offseason. Remember, I told you that it's not an in-season fix. You got to fix the footwork, and you got to fix all those fundamentals, that technique stuff in the offseason when it's not game week. Can't fix that during game week. Right. Game week is about winning the damn game. Your footwork's got to wait. 
Yeah, get that done is. now. You got to do that. You can do that on your own. But when we at practice, we got to worry about winning the game this week. Yep. You can work after practice or before practice on your footwork. I can't work with you, by the way, because there's restrictions on NCAA rules about how much I can coach you. You got to do that on your own. So I think now Quinn is probably going back to the drawing board with some of the footwork stuff, and he probably has improved that tremendously as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. That's enough of our Texas Washington Alamo Bowl preview. We'll get back to it at 630. We come back. We'll talk about Marcus Carr winning Big 12 Player of the Week right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful night in Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Um, Got to get into uh, Texas basketball-related story here. Top of the charts Tuesday, by the way, before we get into that. My man Patrick plays uh, jams that reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. This one sounds wonderfully 80s. Yeah, it's okay. 80s. I mean, it's uh, the great oh. Hall of Notes. Hall of Notes. That's what oh, I was about to I'm say. sorry. Yeah. I didn't recognize. I apologize. Yeah. I'm a Hall of Notes fan, so I apologize for my ignorance. What song is this? You know, it's out of touch. You know when you get to the chorus. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. My bad. Nah, I don't mean to disrespect Hall of Notes. Big fan. Big <laughs> fan. It is man. very 80s, but yes. Yeah. No, no, no. We, we vibed. I think we, we like the first week of the show, we all vibed out on Hall of we Notes. That's one of the first, first things that we all recognized that brought us together. So, we was like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. we can ride with <laughs> each other. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. No doubt. Uh, all right. Top of the charts Tuesday. Shout out to my man Patrick. Always doing a great job. Shout out to you guys participating in the show. We appreciate you. 512-337-3776. Number to the Specs text line. You can also hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse, my man Harge at Hardball Harge, and the real MVP, Patrick Davis, at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. Congratulations are in order, gentlemen, to uh, Marcus Carr. Yep. Named Big 12 Player of the Week um, after the long And the long ones, uh, I believe, still ranked seventh. They moved up. As one, of right now. Right, right now, seventh no. in Nippo. Um, he had a he had great uh, back-to-back performances for the Longhorns in their last two games. Uh, essentially, uh, Marcus Carr, last two, two outings, 15 of 29 uh, with, what, 45 points combined in the last two games. Best two-game scoring streak or stretch, I should say, of his Texas career. Even 6 of 13 from three-point range, Harge. Uh, oh. So he's actually been really good for three-point range here, but averaging 22.5 points, four assists, and three rebounds in the Longhorns wins against Rice and in the over uh, at home in overtime on December 12th and Stanford on Sunday, versus Stanford on Sunday. Yeah, this is a big, big week for the Texas Longhorns as we continue to talk about the leadership part of it and Marcus Carr being a huge part of the success that the team is having. Obviously, you know, there are some things that they still need to continue to work through, but you want your best players to take over ball games, and that's what Marcus Carr has been able to do the last few weeks. Obviously, you know how I'm very critical of certain things that that go on throughout the basketball game. You don't like but hero we're, ball. We're, but I think what's going to happen is as the times continue to roll – there's going to be an adjustment period where he sees that he can trust a Jabari, Sir Jabari Rice on the outside. He's going to be able to kick the ball to a Tyrese Hunter. Right now, it's more of, okay, I'm comfortable with the ball in my hand and this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. But I think as the season goes on and him starting to believe in the guys around him, he'll be able to start getting some of them game-winning assists as opposed to him taking that shot. Uh, yeah, I, and, yeah. I, and I get it. It's, it's your heart on a lot of guys that you think you're like, man, if you just did one or two things different, 
you could be a superstar. Right. And you're just a star right now, and I need you to play a little. And so Marcus Carr is one of those guys, when you watch him, you're like, you have so much talent. Yes. And so much ability, because we yep. can see what you're doing. Yep. And then it's just little, little middle errors and little parts where you're overthinking it. Yep. That if he can fix those things, then he takes that next step into people being like, oh, man, we need to like look at him in the NBA. Yeah. yeah, well, he is, but we're not, we don't need to poo-poo on the fact that he is the player of the week. Exactly. The no, 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 no. So, I no, yeah. I'm not saying we are, but I'm just saying, yeah, we're going to be very critical of him because we watch him every single day. Yeah. We're, we're, you, Patrick, you are on the floor, literally, yeah. during the game, so you get a chance to see it as mm-hmm. well. And me, I, I love the point guard position, and I love the guard position. because and you got a son just, that just played in college, yeah, too. You got, yeah. yeah. I mean, My I son's you, the all-time winningest coach, I mean, winningest player at point guard at his university. And you, and you call basketball games, too. And I call games basketball too. games, too. Yeah, people so should know that, too. I get yeah. a chance to look at all this, and I'm always looking, saying, yes, he has this, he has that, but if he had this added to that, it changes the way people look I, at it. I, I think you look at it. You, you, you are a coach. You've coached <laughs> a lot of young kids, and they, always, they still call you coach. When I run into somebody that knows you, like Coach Harch, I'm like, yeah. I don't know him as Coach Harch. <laughs> uh, but you look at it like a coach. A coach yeah. is like, no, no, no. You th- these are the only two things keeping you from reaching your potential. Exactly. It's hard for me to talk about. You know, I, this is one of my theories about life too. I'm, I'm starting to think this is. I might write a book about this. Seriously, I'm not joking. I do believe a lot of our issues, like this is human beings, human psyche. I'm probably getting way too deep here. I don't no, I want you to because I think I know where you're going with this. And we have never talked about this, but I'm following you. Yeah, I, I think a lot of our issues, by the way, I'm talking about my own too, um, they, either, they either end up coming back to having some type of origin in excessive criticism or excessive praise. And you, most of our upbringing is a lack of one or the other or a, a too much of one too of the other. Too much of one or the other. Right? You got yep. too much praise as a youngster. Mm-hmm. And then you end mm-hmm. up part of the, you know, that, that generation that's entitled and that kind of thing. Or you didn't get enough praise and you got too much criticism. And then that has a, you know, kind of a negative effect on your psyche. As a parent, I'm not a parent, but I think parents are trying to balance it, right? Like, I want to get that criticism, but I also want to praise them. Mm-hmm. I want them to, mm-hmm. I want them to feel mm-hmm. like, oh man, my parents are proud of me, but you also want to push them a little bit. And I think a lot of it comes as a coach i think it's all about all right a healthy mixture of praise and criticism and you don't want to be too overly critical or you know praising someone to uh you know good very fair and i think that's a big part of and i think you try you're trying to walk that line too absolutely yeah and i think that's what coaches i think that's what always haunts coaches like man am i being too critical when do i praise them i don't want to praise them too much and everybody responds differently to criticism and praise Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some people i need oh i need more criticism than i need praise some people need more praise than criticism they because they're too hard on themselves right Right? remember keontae ingram oh he was all worse oh my gosh he was mad himself for two weeks about a fumble (laughs) he he fumbled in tcu game and fumbled in an oklahoma game next week because he fumbled in tcu games like bro you can't you got to let it go. Agreed. You got to let it go. You can't be that hard on yourself. Agreed. And so he might need more praise. He might be like, hey, hey, Keontae, you the man, dog. You, Come you on, know, man. You, you still know, got you know this, you're going bro. To league, right? yeah, yeah. You're an NFL back. He might need you to to you know, to, to praise him excessively because he's too hard on himself. And I think it's one or the other. Anyway, continue. No, Sorry. I'm with you on no, that. I got way too deep on no, that. No, that, that was yeah. perfect because I do believe in that as the psyche and trying to find that balance. As I said, I, I, I benched my own son in a tournament, Ooh. a national tournament. National tournament. You benched your son. Bench my own what, son. What did wifey say? Because I know wifey. She probably was. She, probably she was, was not happy. She was. <laughs> she was not happy at me. And we still have conversations about that to this wow. day. And Man. and and it, they were tough conversations. But at the end of the day, if you're not performing, 
I need you to be better. And if I got guys on the team that are performing better than you, I'm not giving you the nepotism because I've been on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. I've been on the other side where I've seen people play their kids where it's like, kid doesn't deserve to play, man. I should be in the game, and you are benching me because of your kid. And I won't ever be that guy. And sometimes, to your point, of the balance. I've had to walk some of that balance as well as a coach and trying to get the most out of them. But then I'm also a dad yeah. to where I'm trying to have that conversation. That's why we have good bad cop back. I mean, good cop bad cop in our house. Oh yeah, no doubt. So we have to play that balance. So it's yeah, yeah. I, I benched him. Yeah, I know. That is, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Benched him. National okay. tournament. Yeah. Coaches hey, and everywhere. Honestly, in the country, I respect you more as a father. Yeah. That's why I gotta I, keep it one hundred. I'm man. the kind of dad I'd bench my damn son. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I'm just hey, gonna man. keep it one hundred, kid. Or, or I could be like Deion Sanders. This is your quarterback. He got earned. He got earned. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Hold up. I mean, the quarterback was like, what? Yes. Hold up. I thought I was playing yeah. TV too. Yeah. It's your quarterback. He got earned. But he got earned it. That's. Uh, I think that's yeah. Sark too with Quinn. Yep. It's your quarterback. He got earned it though. Don't worry. Yep. All right, we'll come back. We got a week 15 NFL review of one of the wackiest uh, weeks in the history of the NFL. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 North.